was like, you know. I pressed record as well. That's fine. Do we have enough battery? Uh, it's plugged into the power. Oh, infinity power. My God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is like something. <laughs> yep. Hmm. So I've got, I've got this pen. Yeah, it's a pen. It was mm. a gift, like one of the promo thing from some company. Yeah. It's a pen and you turn it over and it's got the the other tip is a meat stylus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got one of those. Yeah. It's like a little squishy knob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels really squishy good. Squishy knob meat. Yeah. And you, you press it and move it around and it feels really can. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nipply. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so... Nipply and knobbly. <clears throat> I imagine I've got this... I've got this spring clamp... You just clamp the pen and, and it will stand up because it's like feet like that. Uh-huh. And just sit it on the phone like that. But right. it might not work because then I think you're still defeating the, the meat problem because you, you have to be holding it. Have to be holding what? The pen. I thought your vice clamp thingy was solving that problem. Yeah, that'll, that'll press it to the screen, but I don't think the screen is going to see that it's a, a finger until you're touching the pen. Oh, no. Really? I think so. I think that's how it works. My pen that I've got yeah. is just a knobbly bit on the end and it doesn't matter whether you're touching it or not. But how do you know? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. If, when, when the pen falls like... on the phone and nobody's around, does it make a sound? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> does mm. it press a button? These are yeah. tough questions. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Game the System Podcast, episode 46, a podcast about the people that play retro, arcade, modern, pinball, board games, and everything in between. It's the 5th of July, 2019, and my name is Mark Bell. My name's John. My name's Matt. How are we, gentlemen? Um, good. You look like you were uh, choking on something there, John. I was just, you know, doing one of those little burps, trying, right. trying not to make noise. Okay. Trying not to burp into Everyone the microphone. Everyone loves burps, though. Do they? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably <laughs> not. We are currently sitting in your new game room. Yes. Because you've just moved as of this week. Uh, we moved in... Last Tuesday. So we've been here Last for... Last Tuesday. Just yeah. over a week. Yeah. Okay. And you now have a double garage as opposed to a single garage. Yep. yep. I have a proportion of that garage for my stuff. Mm-hmm. But the size... The total size has doubled. Therefore, my proportion has also doubled. Proportion? Right. Portion? Ratio? Your percentage. portion has doubled. One of those yeah. things. Okay. Yeah, so I've got a lot more space. Mm. And I've got an extra I've got So I had those three shelves before, now I've got one more. Hmm. Cuz there was always four, but I couldn't fit four in the other space that I had. Mm-hmm. So these are like bookshelves for people who can't see them. And they I got them off a friend of mine who they were in his house attached to one of the walls in the bedroom, one of the bedrooms, mm-hmm. um, which must have been, they must have used it as like a study or something. But this was a family who, I don't know if they were brethren or... Brethren? Some kind. What does that mean? Uh, it's like a, a religious group. Oh, or really? A group of, is it? 
I don't know. Doesn't it just mean family? <laughs> That's what I thought that <laughs> word meant. Does it? Okay. Well, there were some kind of pe- there were people who had a Amish special perhaps? kind of religion. Um, they weren't Amish, but it was obviously something like that. Hmm. Not obviously that extreme, but they didn't watch. They don't watch TV. Um, I think they do use electronics, but right, not so the not same Amish way then. That we do no, not Amish, but something. Uh, they use shelves. They use shelves until they wanted to get rid of said shelf. Yeah, and I think that those shelves were obviously for books, but they are literally the exact size of a Mega Drive box in terms of height. Oh, nice. Um, what about the tabs at the top? Uh, <laughs> they bend down yes. and you're okay? Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Tristan yep. says uh, New Zealand has the exclusive brethren. So maybe brethren is a thing. I, I think it is a thing. Hmm. Bunnings technique. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so you've got shelves. <clears throat> yeah. So I've got shelves. Uh, the annoying thing is, so there's sections at the top that are taller. They're the only sections where I can fit like DVD size, like um, GameCube, Xbox and PlayStation 2 hmm. games. Hmm. Um, so they're all at the top and then Mega Drive and PS1 underneath that. Cool. Um, but yeah, they're perfect for Mega Drive and, and Master System yeah, and PSP and PS3. So Blu-ray oh. boxes fit they're in. They're a bit smaller. Yeah, mm. yeah, they're a bit shorter. Yeah, Blu-ray boxes are smaller. Yeah. So PS3 or PS4, but I don't have any PS4. But you've also got a uh, cube shelving on my right, full of consoles. Mm. We've got a Master System, Dreamcast, GameCube, mm. three, four Playstations for whatever reason. <laughs> PS2, Xbox 360, Xbox, N64, Super Nintendo. If you were to count all two the Two CRTs on top, what? There would be, there's, there's seven PlayStations. There's seven what? PlayStations? Yep. Why do you have seven PlayStations? <laughs> um, well, Ben gave me oh, a I few see. of them. Ben right. gave me three of them, and they are in various degrees of working slash not working. Hmm. Um, so there's the two PS2s, uh, they both turn on, one of them doesn't read discs. Oh, there's a Wii there as well. Yep. Wii. And then the, I was given a PS1, Ben gave me a PS1 and I bought one at a flea market and it's doesn't really work, but, Hmm. and then I've got the actual little mini PS1, not mini mm. PS1, the um, PS... PSX? PS- oh, yeah, yeah. I know um, the one you mean. Yeah. And then the PS2 Slim, which is like my main PS2. Yeah, but you're counting PS2s as PlayStations. I'm talking about mm. PS1s. You've yes. Got, you've got a, only four of them. F- only four of those. Yeah. yeah. Only four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I've got three. Right. PS1s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got two original size PlayStations and then I've got one of those PS tinies, whatever you call them, PS1s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of those original PlayStations is hollowed out because I thought, I don't know, I'll pull all the motherboard out. I'll cut through the bottom of the CD drive mm. 
So then you can press the eject button and you've got a nice little mm. area where you can put keys and things. Mm. Huh. Have yeah, we? I don't know why I did that. <laughs> but I've still got it. Anyway, <laughs> your uh, game room is cool. Yeah, I have game room envy. I wish I had this space. Because at the moment I have a single car garage, which is probably a, on the tiny side of a single car garage mm -hmm. with five pinball machines and four arcade machines. Mm. So things are tied in there. Mm. Yeah. I could do some stuff with a space like this. <laughs> yeah. It looks cool. I'm pretty happy with it. Well, I mean, there's stuff everywhere at the moment. Well, you know. Um, it'll get sorted out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, some reader feedback. We have one oh. reader feedback, but it's a special reader feedback. Oh. Because it is our first and only Apple Podcast review. Oh, wow. Someone went on to Apple Podcasts and typed stuff. <laughs> someone because someone he's uh, anonymous? No. What? Say Do that we again. Know who it was? Well, there's a name here. It doesn't really reveal much. Someone we know? Not from the name that I see. Okay. But maybe you can tell me different. Cool. So, Apple Podcast user SKT73, mm -hmm. which I'm assuming is a person born in 1973. Mm. I could be wrong. Possibly a skater. Possibly. Or, or South Korean. Possibly. Yes. SKT Telecom. Like a, a South Korea they, Telecom. Yeah, they sponsor esports. Ah. Oh. I thought you you were just making shit up, but no. that actually sounds possible. Yeah. Mm. Wouldn't it be f funny if that was like the next trend in like StarCraft player names with just like numbers? Like, I think that already <laughs> is, isn't 73. it? 73. No, they always have words like hero or yeah. star or uh, um, okay. flash. Yeah. Hmm. Or it could be the 73rd SKT. And so it becomes like, you know... I don't. You probably know some real examples. Oh, I can't think of any now, but it'd be like, you know, Dell Star or something like that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them are two words. Ben Q something. Oh, oh. No, I mean, you That's know, how they, they put like their sponsorship above, like in front of their name, kind of thing. When they're playing, don't they do that. Pro games. Their or team is it the team, team name? Yeah, team fighting game players do that as well. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Anyway, the seventy third <laughs> SKT says. Uh, title of his review is Solid Rambling Skills <laughs> With a Z for skills <laughs> And his review is Good company Some of the most solid rambling I've heard in a long time Perfect to help me pass a couple of hours of my usually Drudgerous Yes, it's a word now He has in brackets mm. Day And the discussion of retro gaming is light and informative and entertaining Keep them coming, guys. Okay. There you go. Cool. We have solid rambling skills. Yeah. Well, Brianna could have told you that. but um, Yes. Mm. Yeah, we ramble. <laughs> One could say we go on a little bit too much about certain things, but hey, we don't want to fake it. We are who we are. Yes. Yeah. There's very little editing that goes into this podcast. Indeed. So that's cool, and if anyone else wants to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, that'd be awesome, because mm. it does help us get out there. Um, for whatever reason, the algorithm with Apple uh, 
promotes podcasts that are commented on and rated. Kind of makes sense, I guess. But yeah, that's how it is. So feel free to leave us a review and write awesome stuff and or shit stuff. Mm. We'll read it regardless. Mm. We're not averse to reading shit stuff. <laughs> um, going on to some news and things that are going on in the world. Uh, Phil Spencer, Executive Vice President of Gaming at Microsoft. Yeah. He was recently interviewed on a Bombcast, Giant Bombcast, the mm-hmm. most popular video gaming podcast in the world at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeff Gersman, the person who was hosting that interview, happened to start talking about uh, streaming games. Mm-hmm. And you know how it's a thing now because Google's come out with their Stadia. That kind of streaming. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Streaming games where you're playing them whilst they're streaming. Yep. Um, and apparently Microsoft are coming out with their own version of this called xCloud. Oh. Mm-hmm. So you can play games streaming. And Jeff Gersman asked Phil Spencer, you know, what do you think about this whole thing? Um, is it, you know, is it the direction you guys are going? And um, a console is going to be sort of not viable anymore because you're just going to be streaming games. And I, I mentioned this whole story or interview because I found it really interesting because Phil Spencer was just super honest and real about it mm. and said, you know, it's not really quite there yet. Mm. Regardless that they're spending billions of dollars or how much money mm. into this platform and pushing it, he's saying that they're probably s- still three to five years away mm. from having this experience be, you know, around the same type experience you'll get on a console. Mm. Um, and I just thought that was really refreshing, mm. that regardless of the marketing hype and all that kind of stuff, he's saying, you know, it's not really there. Mm. There's input lag, there's all that kind of stuff. It's nice when they don't, you know, treat the consumers as idiots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's like, we know it's not there, really. Um, yeah. You know, you can't really trick us. And and I guess they, they kind of tried to do that by using all the hype and stuff. And maybe mm. some of the other companies involved feel like if they don't get something off the ground soon, they're going to miss the train or something yep, like that. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, I mean, I don't think gaming's ever been like that where people get excited and then, you know, they buy the first console that comes out and then they don't buy anything after that Hmm. um if that makes sense you know people do people will wait for the one that they want yep uh yeah yeah so i thought that was just really cool um and he was saying you know uh this this whole streaming thing will be cool for the casual player or the person you know going on their train ride or whatever and picking up their save game and just Mm. getting a little bit further. But for the true experience, they're going to be at home, Mm. on their console, wide connection, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, And also out there in the news, the PC Engine Mini and or TurboGrafx-16 Mini was announced. Mm. Um, I never had a PC Engine slash TurboGrafx. I know about the console, but I don't have any strong feelings about it. Uh, but just wonder if either of you have anything to say about this announcement. I mean, it's another 
mini console mm. joining the fray. Yeah. But does this interest us at all as Australian gamers who never experienced this console to begin with? Yeah, it's totally off my radar. Like, I don't know mm. anything about the PC Engine, really. So, mm. yeah. I know it had some pretty great arcade ports like R-Type, mm-hmm. Splatterhouse. Um, it certainly had its good games. We played uh, Dragon's Fury on it at Ben's place. Yeah. Yeah, and Alien Crush, those sort of pinball, digital pinball games, they're really good on the PC Engine. But yeah, it's kind of another one of the things coming out. Starting to get, I don't know, fatigue on the minis. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Mm. It's, yeah, it's interesting. I I wonder how much of a market there really is for it. There mm. must be. I mean... Well, otherwise they wouldn't make them, I guess, but... It's probably not that much of an investment to make something like that. Hmm. Really. It's also kind of weird because it's Konami. And yet Konami have kind of shied away or moved away Mm. from the whole video gaming thing. It's interesting you should say that because it seems like recently they've started to be coming back in. Like they, for a really long time, they hadn't released any of their games. Mm. And it's all, it's just all started to happen. It seems. Hmm. Um, I know Symphony of the Night is coming to the e store in the Nintendo eShop. So right. It'll be on Switch. Um, it was on the, the PlayStation store. Hmm. Oh, it is. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other Konami games mm-hmm. that have been released. And I think, didn't they announce like a Konami collection or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think they announced something like that at E3. But these are sort of, you know, compilations and stuff like that. I mean, Konami as a company who produces and develops, you know, AAA games or, Mm. you know, things like that. I mean, and and their previous big franchises and making sequels to their big franchises died away. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I mean... Mm-hmm. The the list of games they've announced for it so far is R-Type, which is a good choice. Yep. Uh, New Adventure Island, Ninja Spirit, Ease Book 1 and 2, which are RPGs, Dungeon Explorer, Alien Crush, and, yeah, more announcements to come. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I don't know. As Australian gamers, I just don't think it's really exciting. It's the, the console that... As far as I could tell, only people here knew about it from magazines. Hmm, that's right. Yeah, I used to get Electronic Gaming Monthly and you'd read about them in there, but you'd never see them anywhere. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd never even heard of it until I started getting into retro stuff and started listening to podcasts and stuff. Mm. I didn't even, I didn't know anything about it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's all new to me. And all the games... That I, well, I guess I'm only excited about games I know, but they're all games from, like, Mega Drive. <laughs> mm. So, yep. yeah. Nick mentions the Neo Geo Mini selling at JB Hi-Fi at the moment. I might have to check that out. I'm not really fussed on Neo Geo, mm. but if it's convenient and I just happen to run into one on a shelf, I might be tempted. <laughs> and, you know, JB's pretty convenient. Yeah, it is. For us Australian consumers. Mm. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we'll see. We will see. Um, I thought I'd also mention some world records that have happened of late uh, that are potential, pot- uh, you know, worth mentioning. <laughs> Pete Hahn from the USA, who's got a bajillion records. He's an amazing game player. Uh, he broke the Karate Champ world record. He got 276,400 points. Um, Karate Champ is... a Pretty old game. It's a classic game. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first one-on-one fighting games. It's kind of, you know, we all know International Karate and IK Plus. I, both of those games are rip-offs of Karate Champ. Mm. Um, so pretty amazing that the world record has just fallen on that game. Mm. Stephen Holmes from Brisbane, Australia. At One Up Arcade, he's gotten the Raiden world record. Raiden's an awesome shooter. With a score of 1,245,730. That's really, really awesome because that's a really hard game. Mm. Um, he also got the world record just recently on Psycho Nick's Oscar, which is a bit of an obscure game. It's sort of a... It's a data heast uh, platform shooter, but kind of on the... I think it's a bit like Gradius where you collect power-ups and that counts towards things you can select to upgrade your equipment and stuff like that um it's kind of cool so that's awesome and aussie speedrunner tenker who we are all familiar with uh he got the world record speed speed run world record on shock troopers with 18 minutes and 33 seconds cool yes tenker is a keyboard player yes we talked about he plays all his games with the keyboard which is crazy Yes, playing arcade games on keyboard and doing really well. It's pretty good. It's like a hitbox, which is all the rage now. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial now. Uh, yeah. I mean, I used to play on keyboard a lot when I was, you know, not able to have anything else, I guess. Hmm. Um, but yeah, m- more recently, and I, and I said this to him in our Discord... As I plugged in my Xbox 360 fight stick, which has mm-hmm. disappeared, but uh, yeah, but it's kind of like an Astro City almost, like it's the Japanese style, um, and it felt so much better. Mm. And I was just playing like Mercs, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, the keyboard just felt really clumsy in comparison. Yeah, I think it's a different skill. Yeah, I guess, I guess. yeah, it's just what you're used to. Like, if you're used to it, then I don't think it would make a difference. Hmm. But, um, I mean, uh, I, I remember uh, playing Street Fighter Alpha on keyboard when I worked at a, a computer shop. Yeah. And we would play Street Fighter Alpha through, um, is it Kalara, the yeah. network thing for MAME? And, yeah, doing a, an uppercut, like a dragon punch, hmm. is just like... You know, um, you would press forward, down, forward, and it works just like that. Yeah, and that's what that's how the hitbox works too. So yeah, it's it's actually more precise and easier to do consistently hmm. on a keyboard. I would think it's harder with games that rely a lot on diagonals, though. Uh, not necessarily, because you just press two buttons together. Yeah, you just press down and forward together. Hmm. Yeah, I it's suppose. Just, yeah, it's it's kind of more about timing. So, like, 
the um the quarter circle forward is just down forward but then you you press down then you press forward then you release down and then you release forward hmm. so it's just a timing thing yeah yeah i think you could yeah obviously i mean tanker's doing all these really awesome speed runs so mm. obviously it's something you can get used to and excel at mm. and that's what he's doing so yeah that is really awesome Uh, summer games done quick just happened it finished when uh sunday something like that john's reaching over and touching matt's thing um sure yeah summer (laughs) games done quick that happened just recently i think it finished on sunday last sunday awesome event Always an awesome event. Mm. 24 hours, seven days of speed running. Um, I don't know if you guys managed to catch much of the show, but if you did, is there any sort of highlights or comments from you about stuff that happened at Summer Games Done Quick? Um, I did watch some things. <laughs> cool. <laughs> is that the end of the story? I saw... Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's not a, a lot of really interesting stuff. There was a Quake one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say there's not a lot of really interesting stuff? There was on, like, while I was trying to watch Oh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, it, it's a bit of a luck of the draw, like, yeah. when you are able to watch it. Yeah, because uh, it's a live event. Yeah. 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 And then it happened to be on, I think it was right near the end, there was a bonus game that was added in, and it was Ocarina of Time. Hmm. I'm like, oh, 80%. And so I'm like, yeah, okay, I know this. Mm-hmm. I want to watch it. Mm-hmm. I think I fell asleep. Because like, <laughs> that was pretty late by the time that yeah. happened. Yeah. I think that's a long run too, isn't it? No. No, it's oh. really short. because oh. less than 20. Yeah. They glitch it right to the end mm. kind of thing. Oh, any percent, did you say? Yeah. 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 Sorry, I heard 80%. 80%. And I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the highlights for me was the um, Breath of the Wild. And I actually... Deliberately didn't watch it while it was on, but then Brianna wanted to watch it. She really wanted to watch it. Hmm. I didn't want to watch it because I was worried about spoilers for the yeah, because you haven't finished it yet. Yeah, um, but I ended up watching it anyway, and it was really, really interesting. Like I think these newer, you know, three D, not necessarily all open world, but I guess the bigger games are getting and the more complex they're getting. It's like the more doors there is for glitches to come mm. in. Mm-hmm. And there are some really interesting glitches in that game. Yeah. Uh, and, and exploits. Yeah. And one of them is... So, in that game, you can do... You can surf on your shield. Mm-hmm. So, you're running down a hill and then you pull your shield out and you drop on the, drop it on the ground. And he kind of does this flip onto the shield and then slides mm. like down a hill. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty cool, but I don't tend to do it because it wears your shields out really quickly. Yeah. Um, anyway, they use that to do an, an exploit or a glitch where it throws them like through the air just across the map. Um, 
and and it's got to do with uh like kinetic force so they drop from a really high place on top of an enemy and just as they're about to hit the enemy he pulls his shield up to do the shield surf thing mm-hmm. and bounces off the enemy and then just gets flung like across the map mm. um yeah that was a really crazy one and there was more crazy ones too because there's a skill in the game called stasis yeah uh and you can you hit like almost anything um like there's a lot of blocks or like a rock or a tree or a tree yeah and you can while it's in stasis you can hit it with a heavy weapon and it builds kinetic energy and this mm. arrow will pop up showing you like which direction that energy is going to go off in mm. and usually it, the result is that you know if it's a a rock or a block or something it will fly off in that direction yeah and so they were using the stasis hitting the thing building up the energy and then jumping on top of the block and then flying across the map yeah <laughs> um yeah really creative i guess use of yeah they abused that sort of trick to launch themselves into areas of the map you're not supposed to get into until much later yeah 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 really interesting yeah, it's really cool. Um, some of the things I saw, I mean, I'm not much of a live uh, stream and or TV watcher because I just, you know, I rarely have the time to be able to catch something when it's, uh, you know, it's scheduled at a particular time. So I usually watch the VODs. Um, so some of the stuff I've seen already, I mean, there's heaps of stuff, but um, some of the stuff that I found of note was the Marble Madness one-player, two controllers. So they first did a, a normal co-op Marble Madness game. So they had one guy and another guy on the oh, other yeah. controller and just playing that. I saw that. That was interesting. Yeah, that was cool. And then as soon as that finished, one of the guys handed his controller to the other guy and this guy combined both the controllers, the NES controllers, into like a sandwich so that he was controlling... One player with the top half and the other player with the bottom half, oh. and and went through a co-op game controlling both players by himself. Mm. Okay, it was ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah. Do you need yeah. two hands? I mean, yes. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, because buttons. Yeah, do you need buttons? I don't know. Yeah, it's just directions, isn't it? That's a good question. I don't know. Okay. Obviously, we don't know Marble Madness. Now I've got the music stuck in my head. So yeah, that was really cool. Um, Splatterhouse when Paku Graffiti, which uh, I always kind of ignored. I'm a, I'm a Splatterhouse fan. I love the arcade game, but the when Paku Graffiti game is mm. kind of like a what do they call it? Like a chibi sort it's of not anime? Like the other ones. Yeah. No, it's like yeah, it's meant to be a cutesy sort of kitty version of it mm-hmm. um but i watched the the any percent race on that and that was actually really really cool i have a a newfound respect for that game because that looked really really awesome um and there's a i haven't watched this yet but there's another link to the past plus super metroid combo randomizer yep. i've seen these before mm-hmm. um i haven't seen this latest one just yet but they are absolutely bananas mm. they are crazy um, and this is Legend of, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, Super Metroid, 
both games combine together in the one ROM. Mm. So what happens is, say, for instance, you're controlling Link in Zelda. You walk through a door and suddenly you turn into uh, Samus in mm. Super Metroid and you walk out of a door in Super Metroid. Mm. Um, it's absolutely were, crazy. It, they were set doors, though, too. It wasn't yeah. like, you know, randomly. No, no, all no. Of a sudden, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, and um, actually, I didn't I haven't watched it all, but Brianna watched it, and she said it was really good. There was a guy on the couch that was quite funny. She said, "Hmm." So, a lot of the games come down to commentators being able to make it interesting, entertaining, funny. But yeah, the the whole uh, combining of Link to the Past and Super Metroid is just amazing to me, mm. and they say that this can't be done normally just with some rom hacking and stuff like that it just happens to be that both games use separate areas in memory mm. so that they can be combined because no, usually no other games can be combined this way but for whatever reason these two games can exist in the one spot at the one time There's another thing they said I, I remember them saying that uh but i remember another thing they said about how it worked was apparently it was using save states to transfer between the, the different games. So it would take a save state of the game. Oh, yeah, it'd have to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. It's, it's very complex. Yeah. <laughs> but cool. Yeah, really cool. It's ridiculous and cool. Yeah. So, yeah, Summer Games Done Quick. All of those uh, runs are now up on their YouTube page, and I will be going through all of those in the next couple of months ridiculous amount of content to, yeah to watch. it's really entertaining mm. they did a um they did command and conquer red alert 3 oh. and the incentive was to watch the cutscenes, <laughs> which is just the <laughs> funniest part of the whole game and it has tim curry in it of course it does yeah hmm. why wouldn't it <laughs> the story is this is the setup um they there's the Russian, so he's like a Russian commander or something, and uh, there's this um, scientist who develops a time travel machine. Mm -hmm. They go back in time and they kill Einstein so that he doesn't invent the nuclear oh, I've bomb. I've heard this before, yeah. Yeah, yep. and then they invent it instead. Of course. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Is Mark Hamill involved? No. Oh, unfortunately. Well, that's a shame. But that reminds me, I really want to play uh, Commander. Right. Uh, I forgot to mention, we're not doing the best game of 1990 this episode. Mm. Despite previous claims, uh, it's mainly because I've been lazy and I haven't played all nine games yet. Our nine nominations. I haven't played them all either. Mm. And time was moving on, so we thought we'd record a podcast. Mm -hmm. So here we are. Mm -hmm. Our best game of 1990 will come soon-ish. At some time in the future. Mm -hmm. 
You know what did happen in the last couple of weeks, though? The Australian slash New Zealand Battle of the Arcades 2019. Yes, uh, myself and Matt participated um, in this event. So it was six arcades Mm -hmm. across Australia and New Zealand. Uh, And basically how how it is set up is each arcade nominates some games, Mm -hmm. a couple of arcade games, eventually a certain amount are chosen, um, and then all of those arcades have to get all of those games as Matt quietly slips out, um, gets all of those games, and then for a weekend, uh, players come, so on the Saturday, all players come to the, you know, whatever arcade it is, and they try and qualify by getting scores on all of those games. And then on the Sunday, there's a final. And Mm. I think it's the top 10 players of the Saturday uh, qualifier that are able to play in the final. And in the final, what happens is all of the players play all the games as much as they can. And um, their scores are ranked against every other player in all the other arcades across Australia and New Zealand. It's basically a ranked sort of bracket match thing. Is it? It's the top ten players from each arcade. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and we only had six players, didn't we? Or I I wasn't there, but um, Hmm. eighty-nine only had six players. There was a couple of arcades with only six players. Okay. Yeah. So uh, let's go through some of these results. I'm going to wait for Matt though. Okay. Because Matt might have some. what do you call it? Reactions. <laughs> or things to say. Right. So in he, the meantime, can we talk don't about... Don't spoil any of the results. No, <laughs> but can we talk about the games? Let's wait until Matt gets here. Okay. We'll take a 30-second break or whatever. Well, one thing I'll... You know, like I... Afterwards, when you guys are talking about it, I was thinking, oh, I would have... It sounds like a lot of fun. Like it would have been a lot of fun to mm. go... At the same time, though, some of the games are just like, ah. Uh, some of the games were a bit rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I, like, I don't know why Ben chose the games he chose. I think he should have chosen different games. Mm, he must have had his reasons, though. Yeah, I mean, he obviously had reasons, probably being that he knew someone that was good at them, those games. And, you know, there's, I can imagine there's all sorts of... Uh, things that he has to consider, which, you know, a big one would be to make sure he could get them. Okay. Because um, these are arcade games, so you right. need to be able to ensure that you can have them there. Okay. So they need to be and available. Everyone needs to have them, right? Yeah, in all the arcades. Mm. Okay. So Matt has returned. Okay. Uh, are you alive? Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. You're all right to continue? Yes. All right, because you're my uh, buddy cop in this story. You need to, you know, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So there were six arcades participating. There was three from Queensland, that is Pinkadia, One Up and Netherworld. Uh, We've both been to One Up and Netherworld. We've never been to Pinkadia because the year before we were in Brisbane, Pinkadia burnt down, apparently, but it's rebuilt. They can rebuild him. 
Just a quick uh, aside, I just yeah. noticed. <laughs> um, Mark Bakersnark, mm. DW, mm. just mentioned Ray Wise. That's like a throwback to the ah. very first episode of this podcast when we were talking about Red Alert 2 That's and right. Ray Wise being in the um, cutscenes of that. Anyway. Yes. And also in Twin Peaks. Yes. Mm. Continue. Good old Ray Wise. <laughs> Uh, one arcade from Sydney, which was 1989, one from New Zealand, which was Arcadia, and one from South Australia, which was Game Room Essentials. Um, so, obviously, us being from Sydney, we were in the 1989 team, and that team consisted of six players, Ben Banasic, myself, Matt Tolhurst, which is that guy over there. Ben Campbell, who's the owner of 1989, uh, Evan Weston, and Martin Taylor, a guy we have never met before, but he was super awesome, and uh, he was really, really, really good at Metal Slug. Yeah, his specialty was Metal Slug. Cool. Yeah. So does that mean that he rescued POWs on level two? Oh, uh... You mean you didn't watch him? <laughs> we, were, we were busy playing other games. He may have. Sure. And learning many excuses, tips. Excuses. Learning yeah, so many tips from Martin. The story is I'd gone in on the day thinking I had a mad strategy for Metal Slug 3. <laughs> in the first stage. Yeah, which the strategy was just don't die on the first stage. Mm. And you get tons of points. Like a lot more mm. than anyone else was getting. And he knew this and he had all these other things. He knew all the secrets. Mm. Mm. So, in fact, I didn't have... He had the better strategy than me. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny because you, you gave those uh, tips and so forth the day before. Yeah. And then I turn up, or we turn up to 1989 and there's Martin playing Metal Slug 3. Yeah. And, you know, we started talking and Ben was saying, yeah, um, this guy's absolutely amazing at Metal Slug 3. This is his specialty. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, talking to my friend Matt. And he said, you know, you do this and this and this. And he said, yeah, you definitely do that. But you also do this. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just showed us all this other stuff. And it was like, bloody hell. There's and so many secrets. Yeah. In game. yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 All over huh. the place. Yeah. yeah. What? So what? Okay. Can you give me an example? As soon as you, you the very start of the game, as soon as you fall down, and you walk like over like two steps, shoot up, and then like a fish falls out, you get a thousand points. Oh, you know, there's, mm. there's hidden stuff all over the place. Yeah, just you shoot random things all over, you know, things okay. pop out. Huh. It happens a lot. And your strategy of, you know, getting to the end without dying, which, you know, it, it sounds kind of logical, <laughs> but it's so important because you're rescu rescuing those POWs, and if you manage to survive to the end without dying, so taking safe strats and stuff like that, you get a shitload of points. Yeah. Mm. But then Martin showed us a way where on the end of level boss, all you do is just hold right on the joystick and you get POW, POW, yeah. POW, so POW, the first, POW. The first stage last boss is like the huge crab monster mm. robot or whatever. Mm. And you're, you're running along a pier and it's like smashing mm. it away if you've seen it. And you can milk it by not killing the boss and actually POWs just keep coming out mm. yep. every few seconds. And you keep doing that until about 30 seconds left on the clock. Then you just kill the boss. Yeah. And that added wow. about, what, 200, 300,000 points to the total score? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. 
So that was cool. So what the, were the results like then for that game in the end? Did, well, I'm going we, to tell you. Okay. okay. All right. I have them right here. <laughs> oh, and Reaper. Ray Wise was also in Reaper. Well, of course he was. I don't know what Reaper is. It's a TV show. Right. That was something Mark said? Yeah. Right. In the chat. <laughs> Um, yeah, and the goal of 1989 Arcade uh, really was just not to come last, because mm. last year they came last. So, yeah, that was the goal. Let's see how we actually did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go through the games. So, the games were Amadar, Blazing Star, Burger Time, Final Fight, Ghosts and Goblins... Ladybug, Metal Slug 3, Pac-Man, Space Invaders, and Time Pilot. So now let's look at how we went. So on Amadar, first place on Amadar throughout all the arcades was some guy called The Cleaner. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I suppose you're allowed to give yourself a nickname. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's the only person, or he I say a he, it could be a she. Uh, they are the only person that gave themselves a nickname, but that's that's cool. Uh, <laughs> and they got 350,360 points, and they are from Netherworld. Mm-hmm. They got first place. Our best in our team, uh, eighth place, Matthew Tolhurst, <laughs> with 98,180 points. This is because everybody hated this game, but I didn't mind it. <laughs> it's a pretty bad it's okay. game. Yeah. It's a pretty bad game. Yeah. <laughs> I think the consensus on the day was that Amadar might be worse than Mario Ball. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but we had one person who liked it. And that was Matt. And Wait, he came what do you mean, place. nah? <laughs> Bla- <laughs> Blazing Star. First place out of all the arcades was Jesse... B O G I E, I think their last name is. Are you developing a cough, Matt? No, I've had this for months. Okay, cool. So you're okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Slowly dying, not quickly dying. Yeah. So Jesse from One Up in Brisbane on Blazing Star scored 11,987,530. Our best player on Blazing Star in 1989 was Martin. Uh, and he got eighth place with 1,123,730. So considerably less than first place. Burger time. First place was Rob McCauley from Game, U- Game Room Essentials in South Australia. Uh, I know Rob quite well. He's a really awesome guy. He uh, competes a lot in pinball tournaments. You've met him a few times, right, Matt? Yeah. Have you met him before, John? Yeah, I've met him, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's also a awesome arcade player. He's got... He's one of the highest-ranked players on Twin Galaxies. Really? Yeah. Mm. If not the highest. Is this the expert skill index? 
It's something like that. It's, yeah, he's got a lot of world records. Uh, so, yeah, he was first place on Burger Time with 1,032,550 points. Our best in 1989. Can you guess? Matthew Tolhurst. Wow. <laughs> 13th place. So, you know. How many were there overall? Uh, I think it was like 27. Players? Yeah, something like that. Just better than oh, really? half. That actually was. No, there might have been. But you got 26,700 points compared with Rob's 1 million. Yeah. And that was the best out of our team. (laughs) Things look a bit brighter now. Final fight. We happen to have in our team Evan Weston, the world record holder of final fight. And on that day, he did 2,073,550, which was, as the world record holder, a personal best. For Evan. Mm. So he beat his world record that day. Hmm. Um, so yeah, he did all right. He did but all right. But it wasn't recorded, so he can't submit it. To- yeah, that's right. Mm. But now he's already beaten that score. So, um, But of note, uh, Dennis Edmonds and Stephen Holmes, both who are in our Discord channel, uh, from one up in Brisbane, were very close behind with high <coughs> 1 million point gains. So I think they were 1.9 million and 1.6 or something like that. Um, whereas in our team, the next one down was me in fourth place, but with a massive drop-off in score. Mm. I had like 400,000. Mm-hmm. So just shows you the difference between those players. Then we have Ghost and Goblins. First place was me. 391,600. Uh, and then the next best after that was Stephen Holmes again from one up with 176,000. What um, did you finish the game or what did Stephen no. get up to? I actually got uh, the first furthest I've ever been through that game on one credit. Um, but it, it's a funny one with Ghosts and Goblins because there's a technique you can use to leech points. Mm. I, I used the wrong term. Point press. Leeching is a bad word. Uh, Point press (laughs) um, in a cave section. And the rules on this game was no excessive leeching. Mm. Right? So I would regard excessive leeching as sitting there in in that one place and you just leech points. You're gaining lives, 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 dying, lives, dying, lives, dying, lives, dying. Yeah. Do it until you've run out of lives, run out of all the lives that you're gaining because you gain more lives than you can lose as you're leeching until it stops giving you more lives. And you can get about 1.3 million points doing that. What I did was what the world record holder on Twin Galaxies did, which is you get to the leeching spot, you leech until you've got about... uh, about seven seconds left on the clock. Then you race forward. Uh, you get to the mid-checkpoint point. It resets the timer. Then you walk back to the leeching spot. You leech again until you got about one minute 30 left on the clock. And then you try and progress through the game. Mm-hmm. Because it takes about one minute 30 to get through the rest of the level. Mm-hmm. And that's allowed under Twin Galaxies rules. Because you're not 
what they term leaching excessively. Mm. You are leaching to the point that you can until you're going to die and then you move on. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was doing. And even with all of that, I still got further than I've ever been on one credit. Well done. Thank you. Very nice of you to say, John. (laughs) Uh, Next game was Ladybug. First place was Johnny Bond from Pinkadia with 218,300. Our best, Matthew Tolhurst. (laughs) Bloody hell. In 23rd. So we did pretty shit. Um, And Matt got 39,190 points. That's in comparison with first place with 280,000. Yeah. I yeah. thought I played for a while. So they must have played a bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and 22 people ahead of you played a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Metal Slug 3. This was Martin's time to shine. Yeah. But guess what happened? Oh, what? There's this guy called John Tannehill from Netherworld. Mm. He's like, uh, yeah, he's one of those guys. Really, really good at everything. <laughs> he got first place with 3,206,500. And Martin said that that was probably a 1cc oh. through Metal Slug 3. And that's... That's not an easy game. No. Metal Slug series are basically games that are designed as coin munchers. Yeah. It kills you really quickly. Yeah. Um, so even though our gun was Martin, he got outgunned mm. by someone who could 1cc. Someone who had a bigger gun. Indeed. Um, but our best, second place with Martin, with 1,802,000. So he still did well, but Netherworld seemed to have a guy that was, yeah, pretty good. Uh, then we got to Pac-Man. First place is Shane Saul. From Pincadia with 460,440. Our best in 22nd place was Martin. <laughs> 27,560. Which is a lot less than 400,000. Wow. Yes. Space Invaders. First place. Who wants to take a guess at who got first place on Space Invaders? Would it happen to be the world record holder? Yeah. John Tannehill. Ah. He's the world record holder. (laughs) And he's from Netherworld with 55,360 points. That's a very low score for him. Uh, Our best in 17th place, Matthew Tolhurst. (laughs) 3,290 points. What do you guys think of Space Invaders? Eh, It's okay. I like the sounds, but it's kind of monotonous. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Cool. You, you couldn't add anything to that, Matt? It's um, it's harder than the Atari one. Hmm. Oh. So it's it's actually, yeah. You're not paying attention, you die really fast. There's When you respawn, there's no invincibility time. So you could die and then respawn and die. Uh-huh. And it's, it's game's over. Yeah, yeah. So if if is there bullets like when you die, do the bullets keep flying through the air? So if you press the button straight away, oh. could you get killed from bullets? No, you press the button, it just gives it just, you just come back. Oh. You don't choose. Huh. Yeah, and oh. you can also come back, and depending where the space invaders are, they can shoot at you before you can 
move out of the way quick enough. So you can die instantly. Mm. But yeah, no one was going to beat the world record holder. Uh, similar to Final Fight, really. I mean, mm. oh, that's not true. Dennis Edmonds, he's competing for the world record as well. But he's not quite up to speed with, with Evan. Uh, Time Pilot is our last game. First place, Rob McCauley from Game Room Essentials with 550,400. Our best in 20th place was me <laughs> with 133,000. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> All so, that practicing. I know. Well, I didn't practice too much. I actually don't like time. I'm talking pilot. about that time when we were playing together. Yeah. Yeah. Last time we recorded. Actually, yeah, that last time we played together on my main machine, I did a better score than that. I got 200 and something thousand. Right. I remember you getting a decent score. Hmm. Mm. We got to the future. Yeah. We did. UFOs. <laughs> um, Evan says, tell them how he misrepresented the rules, thinking that only our highest score from every game was the one that mattered. Misinterpreted. Hmm. Yeah, we were confused about the rules. Yeah, true. And even the thing at the end where um, we had six players and we're like, oh, we're not going to do well because we needed 10 anyway. Yep. And in fact, they were only counting six players. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's so right. Just enough. And Evan also says Stephen's best final fight score is 2.3 million. So, yeah, they're all pretty close. Um... All right, so final standings for the arcades. We'll go from last to first. And and remember, uh, 1989's goal was just not to come last again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so last place was Arcadia mm-hmm. from New Zealand. Game Room Essentials, oh, hang on, Arcadia was 765 points. Game Room Essentials in South Australia... Second last with 847 points. Then we had 1UP Arcade with 849 points. And then us, 1989, in third place with 969 points. I think we did okay. That's yeah. pretty good. Last to third. Considering how big uh, those other arcades are, mm. we did pretty good. Yeah. I mean, we I wasn't there. <laughs> I, I'm definitely keen. You were there to, in spirit. I'm keen to be involved next time. Mm. It's a lot of fun. I kind of like, I mean, we set up the the Sydney Retro or Classic Gaming Club in a similar way hmm. where you're learning new games. So I kind of like doing that, but I don't like some classic games like Space Invaders and I mean, I don't even know what Army Dar is. You don't want to know. Huh? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think it's also like... You, you're in such an uphill battle against these guys who are from that era and they've just played those games so much. Yeah, that was the argument from a few people, but I, th- I don't think that's true. Because, for instance, John Tannehill, who did ridiculously good at a lot of those really classic games, and he's the world record holder on Space Invaders, he's a young guy. Mm. He's younger than all of us. Well, I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, that's always going to happen. You're always going to have people that are, you know, not this... not like typical, you know, but I think, but the point is though, is that people who have grown up from that era have 
an advantage because they know the games, you mm. know. And yeah. but but that's what part of what the competition is. Yeah, that's right. But I think that there is a heavy heavy skew towards those classic era games. Um and that is an area that me personally I'm not really interested in those. Mm. So it means that if I want to be competitive, I have to spend some time on those. Yeah. And I don't really want to do that. Yeah. But I guess that's just part of what it is. Yeah. Know? And the most I've ever played those games was on that weekend. Mm. Yeah. A bit of the thing is like the arcades are choosing the games. Mm. So, I mean, mm. basically next year. Space Invaders. Won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> what, they can't oh, choose it? it again? No, will it? I don't know. But the point is, like, if we're representing 1989, we oh, get right. two picks. Yeah. We pick two picks that we're good at. Yeah. yeah. That's why I said Space Invaders, because, you know, they have John Tannehill, the world record holder. No, and maybe they choose Wonder Boy, because they have the world record holder in Wonder Boy. Okay. We could do okay there. In Wonder Boy. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. We've got some people yes. in, in contention fact, for the world record. In fact, in one good player versus two good players, maybe hmm. the two is better. Yeah, true. True. But it, you kind of need a whole team that can perform decently well at all these games, right? Yeah. You can't just have one guy that's awesome and that's it. Mm. Well, I mean, with, with what was just being said, like how we didn't quite know the rules, we thought maybe that was okay. Mm. It still worked out. And the other thing I was going to say is there's one game that you mentioned, that guy, the cleaner, got mm. the top score on. He didn't even qualify no. for 89. So the top, he didn't make the top six out of... That arcade, so it didn't even get counted in the final score, oh. in the team score. Hmm. Yeah, so you have to be rounded a bit. You can't just be yeah. good at one thing. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can't just be like Evan Weston and be just good at two games and that's it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you need to be a bit oh, of an all-rounder. Three, I forgot Vecky Bird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark in the chat says Time Pilot's great. Yeah, I know um, Mark's a big fan of Time Pilot. Um, Evan says, now that we know the rules, we'll do heaps better next time. Agreed. Um, 89 choose Pac-Man. I don't like Pac-Man. I like Pac-Man. I'm shit at it, but I like Pac-Man. I think it's a great classic game. Uh, but in second place was Pinkadia with, with uh, 1,614 points, basically doubling everyone else behind. And then in first place was Netherworld. With 1,617, so they were three points ahead. Yeah, it was close. Yeah, so they were going back and forth. Wow. But Netherworld won last year, so they've taken the crown once again. And for the 1989 team results, individual results, oh, yeah. <laughs> in last place <laughs> for 1989 was Evan Weston. Ah. Oh. I know. I think he was... Um, yeah, he didn't understand the need to do well on all games mm. rather than just a couple of games. Mm, mm. So I think he just sort of phoned it in for for the majority of the mm, games. Mm, mm. So that's why he ended up in last place. Then we've got Ben Campbell, second last. Ben Benassik, uh, Martin Taylor, Matthew Tolhurst in second, and then me in first, but only by a couple of points. So that was very close. Sounds like you need a bearded all-rounder. It does. <laughs> oh, it does. The team had many beards. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Evan was the only one without a beard. Yeah. It was a little bit weird. Oh, he said, 
That's what we did choose. I think he's talking about Pac-Man. Yeah. Right. And there's Evan again saying, we gave the old guys a freebie. See, I don't think that really flies. Because, you know... He's talking about Pac-Man. Yeah, but a lot of those guys who are really good at Pac-Man are young guys. Ah. Yeah, but we don't know Pac-Man. Correct. <laughs> yeah. But the old... But he's saying the old so part of it we're is not... So we're old. Ghouls and ghosts. <laughs> Street yeah. Fighter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kaboom. Oh, there's no arcade of Kaboom. So there you go. That was Battle of the Arcades. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a ball and... Uh, I have to say a special thanks to Ben Benasik who coerced me to mm. participate because I was pressed for time. I was having a hell of a time at work. I wasn't going to go. Mm. He managed to arm twist me into going on the Saturday and I said, okay, I'm going to go on the Saturday. Mm. I'm just going to phone it in. I'm just going to play some games. I'm going to drink some beers and I'm going to go home. Uh, I booked a dinner with my wife at the restaurant in Newtown so we could do that and then leave and then, you know, that's that's all over and then I go back and, you know, Sunday's a shit for me because that's when you do all the housework and get ready for the next working week. But he somehow convinced me to go <laughs> the next day in the finals as well. And I do have to say thanks to Ben because I'm glad he did. I had a great time. I knew it was going to happen. When you were saying in Discord, like, oh, I'm just going to go on Saturday. And he was like, but the finals are on Sunday. And I was just like, Mark's, he's going to go to the finals. <laughs> and then on the Sunday, I think something gave it away. You guys were all there. And I was like, yeah, mm. we would mm. do it. Yep. <laughs> no, it's a tricky one, Ben, you know, because uh, he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to... What was it? I'm going to a lunch with my wife in Camden, and so we'll do that, and then I'll come around to your place, and I'll pick you up at this time. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that'll that'll probably work for me because I've got to get all the you know housework out of the way, and then yeah, you can grab me, and we'll go. He picked me up about two hours earlier than what he said. Oh. He just arrived at my house, and he's like, I'm here. I'm like, ah, uh, floors are still wet. I just mopped them. Um, <laughs> but it was cool. It was all good. Devious Ben. Mm. Devious Ben. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And we'll do better next year, like Evan said. And that's all the stuff that's been going on. Maybe we should choose 2020 Super Baseball. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like that idea. <laughs> I've been forced to play Amador. I don't want to be forced to play 2020 Baseball. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe it'll be better than Amatar. <laughs> it probably would be. Who knows? Who knows? Mm. Indeed. So thanks for listening to Game the System Podcast. If you would like to contact us, the best way to do that is on Game the System forums at gamethesystem.co. Also the Discord, where shitloads of people hang out now and talk and chat and share... Repair advice, pickups, all sorts of cool stuff. We've even got just recently uh, the main tech for One Up Arcade in Brisbane who's joined, and he's posting videos and things on how to fix certain things in your arcade games. Mm. It's pretty bloody awesome. The amount awesome. of knowledge we have in the chat is amazing. Yeah, I was like, it seemed like it turned into like a 
I mean, there was people who, not just one person that knows stuff, mm. more than one person that knows things like talking to each other. Mm. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. There's, it's there's, all really cool. There's more experts than punters. <laughs> <laughs> and we can all take advantage of that. Mm. Me as a punter. Mm. Uh, you can also reach out to us via email at feedback at gamersystem.co. You can reach me on Twitter at Mark's Tweet. That's at M-A-R-C-S underscore tweet. John Twitches over at twitch.tv slash Huego. That's slash H-W-A-Y-G-O. You been twitching anything? Uh, I haven't, but now that we've moved, mm. um, it should be restarting at some point. Right. And my uploads here are much better, so mm. I should be able to even do better quality. Um, I think it was fine, but uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe I can do 60 frames a second. Oh, my God. Yeah. Cool. And Matt's around? Yep. Cool. Uh, and goodbye. That's it. Bye. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.